Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. study this evening and uh, we've been for several services now a few weeks talking about just some fundamental things of our faith and uh, so let's just pray and ask God to touch his word can we do that Lord we love you tonight we thank you very much for the privilege that you have given us to be in this house we do not take this for granted but we know God that it is your mercy that has brought us here It is your grace that has sustained us to this very moment in time. This is not a random gathering of people, but I believe, God, you have divinely ordained this night, this evening, and I believe you have brought us together that we can center ourselves around this subject tonight. So I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I have several scriptures tonight that we'll be reading And uh, most likely the easiest thing to do will be just to keep up on the screens, if you will. I want to be, my subject this evening is on the subject of stewardship. And uh, when we hear this term, we often only relate that in uh, terms of just finance or money. But I believe that it goes much, much further than that, much further than that. And uh, touches a lot of aspects of our lives. And so in all of these areas... We must pray and ask God to help us to be good stewards of the things that he gives us. The word steward is from a Greek word that literally means agent or treasurer. Therefore, when the Bible refers to you and I as stewards, we are speaking of that in light of the fact that God owns everything. And he has just entrusted to us a few things. But it is ultimately his Amen. So I, I want to begin uh, with that, that frame of mind that God just gives us the authority and the freedom to just manage certain things, but it is to be done for his glory. And so we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Lord promised that he would add the necessary things that we need in our lives. I was reading an article this afternoon uh, Brother Bernard had written an article, I think, in the, in the latest Pentecostal Herald about the spirit of contentment and how there is such an absence of contentment in our world and how that people are just wanting, wherever they are, they want to be somewhere else or whatever they have, they want something else. And so the lack of contentment. And so I pray that God would help us to understand that the Lord has entrusted to our care certain gifting, certain abilities and uh, And so I believe that we are going to stand in judgment for those gifts and the callings that God has placed upon our life. And so how we do the task at hand determines how pleased the Lord is going to be with us when we have to give an account because we are going to have to give an account. 
for what God has given to us and what God's entrusted us. So to guide our study uh, this evening, I want to present several different scriptural principles about stewardship. The most important quality, I think, that we could find if we could just kind of capture the essence of stewardship and at large would be found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. The Bible says here, very plain, very straightforward, moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so I think that God is beginning right here to underline that what we must need first is faithfulness and whatever it is that God has entrusted us with, great or small, we've got to be faithful and we've got to give our very best and we've got to give our very all. You know, there are times, certain occasions, events in our lives that God may uh, ask something of us and just because it's not kind of packaged in the way that we think it should be packaged, we can maybe uh, discount the value of what it should be or the end result of what it should be. I, uh, I think of this often in light of perhaps ministry. Obviously, that's where I spend the most of my life and my, I, my thoughts and, and ideas. And so I say many times to the ministers in our church that uh, no matter what you're asked to do, that's what you do. And so, if, uh, you know, not, not very long ago, I was asked to speak at a, uh, a certain event and I was told that I would have about five minutes. So I can say, five minutes. What well, do you know who you're talking to? I know where most of you are right now in your mind. Five minutes, he can't even say good morning in five minutes. Or either I could realize that I've got five minutes and I need to make this the most five significant minutes in my life. And so you, you follow what I'm saying? So that God would help us no matter what we're called on to do, whether it's something great or something small, that we would give our all to it no matter what. And so it's not about a time frame or it's not about a certain thing that we might be given the opportunity to minimalize in our lives. I want to give God the very best that I possibly can, no matter what that venue may be. And so I, the most important thing is to be found faithful. And so I don't think that it would, been, it would have been incumbent or very smart of me to have been unfaithful in that moment and to think, well, this is no big deal. I don't know who's sitting there and I don't know what needs are there. And so I want to pray for the essence of that moment to be in my heart so that I can speak to that even if it is a limited amount of time. And so it's found, it is required in the steward that we be found faithful. So no matter what it is, help us, Lord, to understand the significance of what you've placed in our hand. And so God gives us gifts, I think, to help manage for the good of the kingdom of God. Many times that is played out in the template of the local church, but nevertheless, I want to know that what I'm doing is for the greater cause, and that is the kingdom of God. The book of 1 Peter 4 and 10, the Bible says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of, God's man, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so you can't understand stewardship unless you first understand ownership. 
Amen. It's not mine. I am just the steward. So the first thing I've got to get in my mind is ownership. And if I get ownership nailed down, then I can understand stewardship. David said in the 50th Psalm, or David recorded in the 50th Psalm, the words of the Lord, if I were hungry, I, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. In other words, the Lord is saying, if I'm hungry, I don't need to come knocking on your door. I already own it. I have it all. And so I wouldn't come to you or tell you, and so you can't give me anything that I don't already own. So the Lord owns everything. And so what, no matter where we, what station we arrive at in life, we need to realize that it is God that has brought us there humbly to be able to recognize that the Lord, it is the Lord who lifts men up. It is also the Lord who brings men down. And so I want to realize that it is God. There, there are several important areas of our lives. I, I uh, sometimes try to list things out, but I think that there are several, uh, several areas of our lives where I've got to be a good steward if I'm going to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And so as a steward of the Lord, I've been given several gifts. We've all been given several gifts that God has given us to manage. And so that means that God is the sole owner of every area of this, but he allows me to make the decisions for what I get and what he gets. Amen. He's allowed me to make those decisions. And so with that, let's look at various areas of our lives that God has made us stewards of. One area is our talent. The Bible says in the book of Matthew 25 and verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Look at that last two words. He delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. I think there are several important lessons and principles that we can pull from these scriptures. The master of these servants had entrusted into their hands something that belonged to him. He meant they did not own them. They had just been entrusted with them. And so then the second thing about this passage of scripture that's interesting is the scripture says that every man or every servant was given a certain amount of talents according to his ability. And so God is not going to place more on us than we can bear. Oftentimes, we just kind of have that scripture in one little basket of troubles and trials, but that's not the only place that applies to our life. God is going to, has given everybody the ability. God's not going to call somebody to sing and not give them a voice to sing or an, or an ear to hear that. And so according to our ability... And so they were not given anything beyond their ability to handle or beyond their ability to control. Therefore, they were not responsible for anything that had not been given to them. And so they had certain areas that God had given them, so many talents to this one, so many talents to the other one, so, so many talents to another. And so this man is not responsible for this man, what he does with his talent. I'm, I'm not responsible for what anybody else does in this house with your ability. You're gonna have to give an account yourself of that. Amen. So according to his ability. But I do believe that, that the Lord intended, or the master in this particular passage of scripture, in, intended for them to use the gift that they had been entrusted with, whether it was great or whether it was small. It's obvious from this passage of scripture that God, some got more than others. But no matter what we have, if the, if the man who just got a little talent 
looked at the man who got more talent and said, I can't do anything at all, then where are we gonna be? We need to exercise our own abilities, our own giftings as God has given them because I believe that God intends for us to exercise whatever gift it is that he's given us. And so the servants were not expected to match someone else's accomplishments. Nobody in this house is required to be me and I'm not required to be you. I can't match anybody else's accomplishments. Amen, they were just gonna be judged on their faithfulness alone to what they had done with God, what God had given them. The latter portion of Luke 12 and 48 says this, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. Amen, of that person who much is given, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. And so, you know, if you, you, know, you generally get what you pay for. How many has lived long enough to figure that out? <laughs> you generally get what you pay for. And so we, have to, we have, to, uh, have to ask God to help us to realize that when the scripture says, to whom men have committed much, of him they're gonna ask the more. And so when we have been given more, then in life people are just gonna expect more of us. That makes sense? And so if we're, call, if we're calling ourselves by his name, then people are gonna have a certain expectation of that. And so we're going to, they're gonna ask or demand the more. Paul admonished Timothy in two different ways. One time in 1 Timothy 4 and 14, he said, neglect not the gift that is in you. He said, don't neglect that gift. It's already there. In 2 Timothy, 2 and, in 2 Timothy 1 and 6, he told Timothy to stir up the gift. And so there, it's not a question about whether or not the gift is there, but it's how you're gonna handle it. Don't neglect that gift, and sometimes we need to stir that gift that is within us. Even though our, our talents have been entrusted to us by the Lord, we still do not own them. It is not our ability. And you know, if you've been in, in uh, any, any level of leadership at all, you can probably relate to what I'm about to say. I think that every now and then, the Lord just lets us fall completely on our face to remind us that it's not about us. Amen. <laughs> and so sometimes it does us good to kind of pack up our wares and go home with our head hung low. It just reminds us that, that at those days that we think we're the one you know, the, the day that the whistle starts thinking it's moving freight, <laughs> we're in trouble. The whistle on the train has nothing to do with the freight moving. But generally, that's the thing that you hear the most. And so from time to time, we have to, be realized, we have to realize that the gift is here, and I need to not neglect that. I need to stir that gift. God has given us skills and abilities that... We have used in various capacities in this house tonight, whether it's the ability to earn a living or to do whatever talents or abilities you may have, those gifts are God's. They belong to the Lord, and we must acknowledge that, that it's not my shrewdness, not my ability, not my talent, not my skills that have brought me to wherever I am or wherever you are, but it is the Lord, they're his. So that brings a question, and that question is this, are we using the gifts that God has given us to bless the church. Whatever that may be, are we using that to bless the church? Everybody has, no doubt, more than one gift, but I like what Brother Chester Mitchell said many years ago, several years ago. He said that 
generally we're only really skilled in one or two areas of our lives, really skilled. We may can do more things than one or two things, but we really have the ability, we really excel in one or maybe two areas. And so if we just kind of approach the next portion of this with that thought in mind, that most people have a primary and a secondary ministry within the church. My primary ministry is to do what God has gifted me to do. And so I must pour myself into what God has called me to do. Now, I can do more things than what I'm doing here tonight before you, but you didn't drive all the way from wherever you drove to tonight. You didn't get dressed and come here to just watch me carry out some secondary or some third or fourth or fifth ability that I have. You came for me to exercise the gift that God has given me for this evening to lead and pastor this church. Would, I be, would that be a fair assessment? Yeah. Amen. We have several men here that can operate our church lawnmower. They know how to do that. Brother Junior Trail primarily takes care of that, but there are other men here who can do that, and guess what? I can operate that lawnmower as well. But you didn't drive here tonight to watch me ride up and down. Say, watch this. You didn't drive here to watch me do that. You came for me to exercise the primary gift that God has called me to do. And so I spend, because of that, I spend the majority of my time working on that calling. That's where my focus must be because that's what God has called me to do. Now, I, I enjoy a lot of other things, even by way of ministry in this church. And so I get in, I, I, uh, I, I like to, I like to, from time to time, visit when I, when I, my schedule will permit this on Sunday. I like to try to go with as many outreach ministers, ministries as we have going on. And so I don't go every Sunday or don't go every month. And I don't fret about that because God has given us wonderful people that have been called to oversee those ministries and do that. And so as often as I can, I try to visit those because my, my heart is there as well. My passion is there as well. I'm often asked if I want to participate in those ministries, whether that's singing or speaking, and sometimes I do, but, and sometimes I don't because I'm not there to do that. I'm there to support them in what they're doing. My passion is there. I enjoy that. But others are carrying the weight of that and the responsibility, and so I want them to be able to carry that and do that. But I must focus on what God has called me to do, and I'm going to give everything that I have to that. I'm not just talking about me. I hope you're getting that tonight, that we all have primary areas that God has called us, and that's what we need to focus on. It doesn't mean that we won't be involved in other things or it doesn't even mean that we shouldn't be involved in other things. We ought to be there to support others that are working in the area that God has called them to work. The greatest thing that we will ever hear in this lifetime, I believe, is found in Matthew 25, 23. The Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Amen. You want to know how to be blessed to do great things? Be faithful in the small things. Brother, Brother Everett Bird used this illustration Sunday. It brought it back to my mind. I remember hearing this many years ago. I had, haven't heard this in, in a, several years, but I remember uh, Brother Brian Kinsey was preaching at a men's conference, I think it was, uh, several years ago, and he said that, that when he first started preaching, that he was invited to, to uh, speak at a nursing home and there were only like three people there or something like that as the story went. 
And the Lord just spoke to his heart and said, if you will preach to these three, like there are 3,000, I'll give you the opportunity to preach to 3,000. And so Brother Kenzie just gave it his all, and, and I don't have to fill in the rest of the blanks that Brother Kenzie has preached all over the world, around the globe, and certainly has preached to thousands and thousands. And so I say, Lord, help us to realize the value of being faithful in the small things because if we can be found faithful there, then God knows that he can trust us with more things. Another area of our life that we need to exercise stewardship over is our testimony. Now, a testimony is something that everybody has. We all are universally have a testimony. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and 8, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Paul's words to Timothy, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Another very powerful scripture, I think, that, that connects with the power of our testimony is found in Revelation 12 and 11. The scripture says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the church. They overcame by the word of their testimony. Now there's nothing, there is nothing in, in our ability, in human ability, in human standards, I should say perhaps, there's nothing more powerful than your personal testimony of what God has done for you. I believe that is still the most persuasive form of communication that we, when we can talk to somebody about what God has done for me. Amen. Now, there are situations that I'm called on to address as a pastor that I haven't experienced necessarily. And so I'm trusting God and, and, ble and believing God to help me to feel that moment and that pain or that sincerity or whatever that may be so that I can minister to that and that God can use me just as a conduit to flow through to speak something into a situation. But you see, there are those of you in this house and, and me included as well that have been through certain things in our life and when it comes to those things, we've already walked through that. And we know what God has brought us through. And so this is not about trying to connect one verse to another or this is not about trying to make sense of some Greek word or Hebrew word. Amen, I'm not discounting that, but I'm talking about the power of a testimony when we are able to say, but I have been right where you are. I have stood in that same dust. And, it, and so when we think about personal testimonies that are listed in the Bible. And, and again, I've just picked out a few, but, uh, but Psalm 66 and 11, David says, come listen and I will tell you what God has done for me. If you'll just sit down right here and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. What a powerful testimony that is to the world that we live in. When, in, when it, the woman at the well that we find in John 4, what did she do? She didn't run down with a flip chart. And again, I'm not discounting that. There's a place for that. But she didn't run down with a flip chart and try to point out A from Z. But she said, I want you to hear what God has told me. I want, to, I want you to know what I experienced at the well. And the Bible says many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus. Why? Because of the word of her testimony. <laughs> She wasn't grasping for straws. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me. Why, we couldn't dare talk about this without mentioning the blind man in, in John 9 and 25 whenever he was pushed and prodded and probed for all sorts of 
uh, with all sorts of questions that he just didn't have the answers to. And finally, I think in a moment of absolute despair, he said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to answer all the questions you're throwing at me. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But there is one thing I know, that this morning I woke up, I was blind, and now I see powerful words of a man who had lived through something. I'm gonna tell you there are men and women in this very house tonight that could raise their hand and say, I'm gonna tell you I know what it's like to be bound and addicted to this or that. And so let me tell you what God has done in my life, how he broke the chain, how he set me free, the words of our testimony. Acts 4 and 20, Peter and John, we cannot stop telling the wonderful things they said. In summary, we just can't stop telling the wonderful things that we have seen and heard. Amen, they were, they were talking about you. We just can't stop talking about the things. Why? Because we have beheld this with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. We were right there and I just can't be silenced. In Acts chapters 22 all the way through Acts chapter 26, if in, in those varying chapters, on six different occasions, Paul used his personal testimony to share the good news to unbelievers. He just kept talking about what the Lord has done for me. When's the last time we share with somebody what the Lord has done for me? Let me tell you what the Lord is doing in my life. That is the most powerful thing that we could ever share. In John 3 and 11, Jesus said this, we speak that that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. He was saying we are testifying about the things we're confident of. And so the value of your testimony, the value of where God has brought you, I'm gonna tell you something, the value of the very fire that you're standing in tonight is one day gonna be heralded as someone's answer. It really will, it really will. Amen. It's priceless because your testimony is unique. It's unique to you. There's no other testimony quite like that. I, I am the authority of my own personal testimony and so it's impossible for somebody to argue with me about what God has done in my life. If somebody wants to argue about whether or not God is still in the healing business, I've got better things to do with my time. I'm not gonna stand there and argue that and waste breath that I'm gonna be wishing I had when I'm 80. <laughs> because I know, I don't have to argue with you that God's not a healer, he's healed my body. More than one time, God has healed me and so I know, amen, what God has done for me. People love, uh, people love personal stories. They do, they do, personal things that, 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 that somebody else can relate to. And so they, they relate to that. And that builds a relational bridge. And that bridge is so important. That bridge is so important. Brother Donnie was talking this past Sunday about the challenge that has been presented to the men of Florida uh, that we can, that we can uh, mentor people into the kingdom of God, not just talking about somebody getting the Holy Ghost and then we don't know what happened, but actually investing in them and so we need to first build relationships with people. And what a great way to build that relationship through t personally talking about what God has done in your life and in mine. In all honesty, we live in such a skeptical world. Our, per our personal testimony is going up in value every day. It really is because people are, are so skeptical of everything. And so what we have really ownership of is going up in value every day. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 and 15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. <laughs> we ought to always be ready to answer. How did you get so much hope? Or, or how is it that you can live and do what you're doing? The Bible says that we ought to always be ready with a, have a ready answer on our lips when somebody asks you about the hope that is in you. When somebody says, you know, there's just something different about you, we need to say right there, hey, can I talk to you about that difference? It's not my last name. It's not who I am. It's not anything that I own, but it is about Jesus Christ and what he has done for my life. And then the, and then the scripture, Peter says this, that we need to share that hope that is in us with meekness and fear. We need to humbly talk about what God has done. That's not our time to show and shine, in other words, in an arrogant way or an egotistical way, but we need to share that hope that is in us with a spirit of meekness and with reverent fear. Whether my testimony is about, or your testimony is about being delivered from sin, or whether your testimony is about being kept from sin, they are both equally as powerful, one as the other. I want our young people to know that you don't have to go run your life against the, the rocks just to have a testimony. What a powerful testimony to be able to say, I don't even know what alcohol tastes like. I don't even know what it's like to have this experience, or I don't have any idea what it's like to have some illicit affair. I have no idea about any of that. What a great testimony. God has given all of us a testimony. And so we have got to be a good steward of that. I've been entrusted with the responsibility of sharing that with others. And so I need to guard that and I need to use that. Another thing that we have to have stewardship over is our temple, our body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And so the Bible places a lot of emphasis on the fact that we have been given stewardship over our literal selves. And, and so we had to be careful that we not defile our body. Amen. Now this is not only teaching us not to commit sin with the body, but I think there are times that we have to realize I'm responsible to take care of my body. Amen, and conduct our physical selves in a godly way. And so, and so I've got to make sure that I do what's right by me, by this temple. And so I, I, I can't overindulge myself in eating. I can't stretch myself beyond the point of rest. And amen, there's a lot of areas we could talk about here, but I've got to take care of it. There are times I, I need to listen to what my body is saying. Sometimes our bodies are screaming for mercy. Amen, they really are. They're screaming for mercy, but we're doing something and because we think we're doing it in Jesus' name, we think that makes everything all right, but it doesn't make everything all right. And so I've gotta make sure that I'm temperate in every area of my life. I gotta avoid things, substances that, that, would, that would defile my body, things that are addictive, amen, things that break down moral restraints like alcohol or things that harm our bodies like drugs and tobacco and the list could go on and on and on. I need to be careful, diligent in those areas because God has given me, uh, entrusted me, amen, with something that I've got to take care of. You know, we can just abuse our bodies. You really can. You can abuse your bodies and, and, and it's not always through, through, through some of the few little means that we think it, that it may come, but you, you cannot get enough rest. 
Amen. Don't think, don't, don't, don't be afraid to say amen because somebody's going to think you're lazy. But there's, there's going to be no real worth if we just destroy ourselves. We're not going to be worth anything if we destroy ourselves. So we can't allow ourselves to come under the influence of things that aren't godly. And I want, to, I want God to be the influence in my life. And so since the Lord gave us our bodies, he has the right as our creator to expect us to conduct ourselves in a godly fashion. He meant he, he's not in favor of, our, uh, of us abusing our body, nor is he in favor of us immodestly displaying our body. Amen. And so we got to use that, and we can't use it in a sinful way. To do so would not be good stewardship. Another thing we've been given stewardship over is our treasure. The Bible says in Matthew six thirty three, "But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee." The subject of stewardship in giving is always a little bit awkward. Uh, simply because I think, especially in this day, is, is because so many, there are so many false perceptions that people have about church and money. And I know that the uh, news headlines and things like that don't do anything to help that. But the very bottom line is this, that churches, just like anything else, have to have funds to operate. And so it is, it is just good old green dollars that keep these lights on. Amen, that's what makes it all happen. But the difference in fundraising and stewardship is the difference between following the letter of the law and following the spirit of the law. So let's talk about that just a moment. The goal of a fundraiser is to collect a certain amount of money or certain monies for certain activities. But the goal of stewardship is to be able to worship God through giving. It's not about just you know, we have a, from time to time a cake auction or whatever we may do around here to raise money for certain things. Maybe a youth department or something may be doing that. And so we're just trying to meet a fundamental goal. We're just trying to, we're trying to pay for children's way to go to camp or go here or go there. But you see, when we're talking about an offering, when we're talking about giving unto the Lord, amen, we're talking about worshiping the Lord through giving. That that be incorporated as a part of our worship service. I've been in churches, and I don't mean this to be critical, but I just think that it's inform, it should be said because it should inform us. But I've been in churches where language like this was used. We want to go ahead and take up the offering and get that out of the way. Well, it's not in the way. That's, a part, that's as much a part of our worship as anything we do. Okay, we're going to get this singing. You'll get them songs out of the way. Let's go ahead and get this preaching out of the way. Let's get this prayer request out of the way. No, no, no. Our giving to the Lord is as much a part of our worship as anything we do. Giving is very, very important to God. I think, the, I think that is a biblically-based statement. The Bible talks more about giving than it does heaven or hell. What could be more important than heaven or hell? But he talks about what attaches the heartstrings of mankind. Over half of the principles that Jesus shared have, have to do with the subject of money in some way or form or fashion. There are more promises in the Bible than, that are related to giving than any other subject. Our giving is very important to God and it's very important to our spiritual life. A, a true steward knows that this is, that we can't use, I, mean, I know that we do kind of inadvertently, but I think a true steward knows that this is not my house, not my car, these are not my clothes, my shoes. Am I being too ridiculous? 
these are gifts that God has given me. They've entrusted me with that. Amen, this is not my church. This is not my banking account. This is not my checkbook, but this is what God has trusted me with. And now God is going to watch. I think there's a powerful, uh, I think there's a powerful insight to the Lord whenever the scripture says that he stood and watched as they gave. If you want me to be really honest with you tonight, I don't think God has ever stopped watching what we give. He watched as they came. Am I right, Elder? He watched as they came. That's why at the end of it all, he drew the correct assessment that the woman that had given the might had given more because she had given sacrificially. And so I think the Lord watches. I think the Lord watches as we give. And so all these things belong to God in their entirety, but he's entrusted us to manage that for the kingdom. And so who am I to be selfish if God were to lay something on my heart now, I'm talking to people tonight that I know God has laid it on your heart to give to certain things and maybe even give certain amounts and you responded to that, right? But I think we could also say there have been times God laid something on our heart and we didn't respond to that. I know we have, I'm not here to throw rocks, but we have a treasure and an earthen vessel so we're subject to error and I've always regretted those moments. I've always regretted those moments and the longer I live for the Lord and the more I grow in him, I miss those moments less and less because I've been growing through the years and learning that when the Lord says to do something, that's what I need to do right then and whether I see some, as Justin was talking about Sunday morning, I appreciated his personal testimony about as a young man learning to give to God and, and that the Lord helped him in just a few and just a short amount of time, whatever that span of time was, to be debt free all because he learned the value of giving in, in a, in, to the building fund or the missions or whatever it may have been. And so we understand sometimes there is an, a payoff that's close enough to whatever we've done that we, we kind of connect that, right? But it doesn't always happen that way. God doesn't always give you back $100 for $10. But sometimes he'll just pump a little bit more life in that vehicle you're driving. Amen. I don't think I'm out here on thin ice. <laughs> I think we got a couple, of, more than one testimony in this house about these things that God will just, God will just give life where it, need, where it needs to be. God will take care of things. Hey, listen, I, I, am so, I am so much in the center of the word of God, I couldn't be more comfortable if I was at home in my recliner. He said when the children of Israel were in the, in the wilderness that they never even had to, they never wore their clothes out. They never wore their shoes. In 40 years, they never wore their shoes out. They never wore their clothes out. So to, for me to think in 2015 that God would change his MO, no, no, no. God can help something last as long as it needs to last. Amen. So we don't always find those rewards in the mailbox. That's what I'm getting at. So we can't live with a payday in mind. We just have to give in faith and realize that God will take care of all of that somehow ultimately in the end. I've had those moments of payoff. We've all experienced that. But I've also had those moments where it was just an act of faith and I'm not really sure whatever happened with that, but I trusted God with that. And so when I am a good steward of my treasure, my investment then is not just in temporal things, but it is in eternal things. First Timothy 6 and 18, the Bible says, they that do good, that they do good rather, they that, let me just start over. Got my tongue twisted here. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, here it is, verse 19, laying 
up in store for themselves a good foundation against, against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I'm gonna tell you something. What happens when we exercise ourselves in tithe and offering is far more than what happens right here in this building. But when you let go of that and let God have that, he said, put that last scripture back up there again, if you will. Amen. We're laying up in store for ourselves a good foundation against the time to come. We're laying hold on eternal life. We're investing into something beyond this day, beyond this moment. We're putting our faith, our trust, and our hope in God. Amen. So what we're doing here on earth is also being done in heaven. Amen, there's a heavenly investment. And so it would be impossible. It would be impossible to speak about our treasure and neglect the subject of tithe and offerings because that's really where, where our giving when it comes to our treasure really is. The word tithe means a tenth part or, and an offering is something that we give above and beyond our tithe. I, I quickly mentioned just a few principles here of why we should scripturally, why we should tithe. Number one is because God commands it. And so we could stop right there. We could just stop and lock the doors and turn out the lights. God said to do it. Leviticus 27 and, and, and 30 says, a tenth of all you produce is the Lord's. It's holy. And so we, we give that back to God. Tithing, secondly, shows that God has first, is first place in my life because you know where we really find ourselves is with money. And you know what? You can see that in the youngest child the minute they begin to comprehend dollars. Because they'll spend your money without regard. But when you want to get in their piggy bank. So you see, that's just something innate. That's something down inside. We got to break that. <laughs> that's our nature. If, if, if somebody else is picking up the tab, we probably are hungry for steak. But if we're buying it, buying it a, a corn dog will probably get us by. <laughs> but Deuteronomy 14 and 23, there's a principle that's, that's taught there that shows that God has first place in my life. Tithing reminds me that all that I have is from God. And so I'm giving him back a tenth part. That's all he asked for was just a tenth part. Deuteronomy 8 and 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Wow, I thought it was my education. I thought it was, I thought it was this, I thought it was that. No, it was God that even gave me the power to get that wealth that he might establish his covenant, which he swear unto the, thy fathers as it is this day. Tithing expresses our gratitude for what, we have been given for what God has done. David wrote in Psalms 116, 12, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What? <laughs> How could I pay back God for all he has done? Deuteronomy 16 and 7 seems to capitalize on this even further by saying, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. And so God is not requiring me to give the same thing as Brother Gibson or Brother Gibson to give the same thing as me, but he is requiring us to give as we are able. And so that tenth part, it is the tenth part of whatever we have. And you know what? God's economy is not broken. God's economy is not in trouble. 
Amen. His principles have never changed. So if we can just be faithful to him, not just in the good times, but in the difficult times, God will prove himself strong. Refusing to give through tithe or offerings is actually like stealing from God, and that is scriptural. Malachi 3, 8 and 10. Will a man rob God? How could you rob God? He said, you've robbed me through tithe and offerings. And so, and finally, I think that the most important thing, or at least one of the most important things, is that as we give, that opens the door for God to be able to bless our lives, our, our homes, our families, whatever it may be. And so he said this, Malachi 3.10, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now. Here we saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of, open you the windows of heaven, open you the windows of heaven. He said, I'm just not gonna pour out a blanket blessing, but I'm gonna open the window for you the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And so only in our given, only in our given, from Genesis to Revelation, do we ever hear God put himself in this, in this kind of predicament where he says to us, eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose, belt buckle to belt buckle, try me. Try me. You just, you don't believe me? Just try it. The proof is in the pudding. If our musicians would, would come, our, our last thing that I want to talk about here this evening that we, have steward, that we are stewards over, and, and this is not a, an exhaustive list, I suppose, but is our time. You see, you don't find time for the important things in life. You make time. And so when you... When you are sick in your body and there have been times I felt like I was too sick to go to the doctor <laughs> I was too sick to go sit through all of that I, was, I already had enough going on I didn't want to go expose myself to 75 other people in there there have been times that I said I don't have time but you see when you get sick enough you make time you didn't create more minutes you just shove back a few other things. And so we got to make time. We make time by managing our time as good stewards. Here's what Ephesians 5 and 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so I, I need to pray daily, Lord, help me to get everything out of this day that I possibly can, everything that you intend for me to do. And so how do I, I put God first in my schedule? I don't mean to sound trite, but I think we begin by asking the Lord to help us use our time wisely. I've only got so much time. The Lord will, I'm only gonna have so many hours tomorrow to do anything at all. And so I need to help, have God to help me to plan my life. And so if we find ourselves having more things to do than we've got time to do, it may be God tapping on our shoulder and saying, everything you're doing is not in my will. I know this may get a little bit close to where you're living because it gets close to where I'm living. But there have been some things in my life in recent times that I've had to just take out of my schedule, things that I enjoy doing. But I realized this is creating way too much havoc in my own life, number one. And so it's hard because the needs are so many. The needs are great. The needs most of the time far outweigh the ability to meet the need. 
but for the sake and the well-being of me and my family and the church and everything else, I've just had to say, you know what I can cut out? I'm going to have to cut out. I'm going to have to cut that out, even though it's something that's dear to me and something that I enjoy doing, and it may be a, a community effort. It may be very, very helpful in the big picture, but I am just only one person, and I only have so much time. And I want to have enough left of me, and I want this to be a statement. I'm not making this statement just for me. I want to make this statement for every man and woman in this building. I want to have enough left over of me at the end of the day for my family to enjoy. Amen. And so if sometimes we're just so full until we get home and we're just kind of closed to everything else because we've already spent, we're already done. And that's not fair to everybody else in our lives who needs just a little bit more of us. And so I want to make sure that I close it down. Now, I enjoy doing what I do. And so that makes it especially hard for me sometimes to stop doing what I'm doing. And so when you enjoy doing what you do, you've got to be all the more careful of your time. We're stewards of our time. And so we need to make sure that there's something of us that's left over at the end of every day. Amen. Not only for those around us, but also for the Lord. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. So I'm speaking from experience. My own personal testimony, I'm cutting very close to where I live as well. And so we, we may need to realize that sometimes God is just kind of pushing us and saying, hey, you're all overwhelmed, but I didn't put all that on you. Some of that you just picked up on your own. And so you've got to learn to set it down. And you know what? Just because I stepped away from a few things, the world didn't catch on fire. <laughs> Nothing plummeted from the sky. It all kept going. It all kept going. There may be good things, but God never puts on us. So we've got to review our schedule. And so here's Jeremiah 2 and 32. And um, if you'll stand with me, we'll read this and we'll close. Here's what Jeremiah 2 and 32 says. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? I don't think there's ever been a, a bride that said, oh, 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 my wedding dress. Not walking down the aisle. That wasn't, they thought about that way before then. But he said, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Wow. Wow. We talk about, the Lord redeemed me. But we don't talk to him. The Lord changed me and challenged me and delivered me. But he said, but they have gone days without number, without even speaking, without even speaking. In his book, with the title, It's About Time, Leslie Flynn has a, a piece entitled, now, this is kind of straightforward, so buckle up. He has a piece entitled, If You Are 35 Years Old, You Have 500 Days Left to Live. His premise is simply this. When you subtract the time spent on sleeping and work, tending to personal matters, hygiene, odd chores, medical matters, eating, traveling, and other time stealers, in your second 35 years, just basing life on 70, in your second 35 years, you only have approximately 500 days to live. 
I'm not trying to send you home with a cloud hanging over your head. But if we only knew we had a few days left, we would probably live differently. We would probably not be as cavalier about tomorrow. But we would want every day to count. Every day to count. So then I am, with that thought in mind, it is no mystery to me then that David would say something like this. Lord, teach me to count my days. Teach me to count my days. Number our days. That we may apply our hearts into wisdom. Let me number my days. I'm not saying that to sound or be morbid. But it's really the truth. Life is passing us by so, so quickly. And i got to realize that I'm a steward. He has given me this time on earth. What am I doing with it? And so I, I, I want to be very diligent with the gifts that God has given me. Whether that is gifts that are talents. Whether it's gifts that is my temple whether it's gifts that are time or whether it's gifts that are my finances, whatever it may be, whatever God has given me, I want to make sure that I stand before him honestly and openly and say, God, I've I've done all that I know to do. I've done all that I know to do. Amen. He said, well done, thou good and thy faithful servant. So if it's talent or our testimony, our temple, our treasure, our, our bank account, whatever it may be, I want to know that God would be pleased with what we have done when it's all said and done. I will close with this. I remember attending the funeral of Brother J. Frank Wilson, and I can respect the fact that not everybody here recognizes that name. But a man who had lived a full life who had done so much for God. I'm talking about that you could literally see and experience. And I remember, and and maybe this was just a moment for me, and I, I can appreciate that as well, but I can remember being at his funeral, and I remember Brother Billy McCool standing before his open casket saying, before us lays a good man, a good man. And it was true. It was not just something that you hear at funerals that somebody's just trying to whisk some wicked man off in a more flowery way. And I thought how I was just so impacted by that statement that you could live all of those years and it still be said and truthfully said, this is a good man, a good man. He did all that he knew to do well amen so I say tonight the challenge is thrown down and so we must rise to the occasion amen can we pray and ask the Lord to touch us Lord I love you today and I this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.